Welcome to the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller in here. Thank you so much for stopping back by. Thank you for continuing to listen. We are in our 10th year of doing this podcast. And this one is really a, a podcast of reflection because we're going to look back. Do you ever have those intersections in your life where you wonder if you turn to the left or you turn to the right, how the other fork might have worked out? You know what I'm talking about, right? Those major important decisions in our life that literally alter the course of our life one way or the other. The very first episode of this podcast, podcast number one, I told the story of a pastor. He had a big influence on my life. He was very dynamic. I was feeling what I now understand of the internal components of how I was wired. These things were wanting to come out of me as a high school student. So this was a Southern Baptist church that we were going to in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And one of the things that was popular in the church, I would say, was to surrender to go into the ministry. You're going to dedicate your life to set aside the pursuits of a secular career and go to seminary or go to the mission field or whatever it would be. Well, under this dynamic pastor, I thought that would be my path. I set off to college thinking it was going to be the biggest waste of my time ever because what I really wanted to do was get on to seminary, Baptist seminary. Well, I told the story of what had occurred as a result of this decision in that first episode. Now I'm going to tell some of the details of what took place that made that decision, why I took that fork in the road. And this is being discussed in light of a report that has just come out a few days ago as I'm recording this podcast of a comprehensive, almost 300-page report where the Southern Baptist Convention turned the spotlight on itself. After 20 years, 20 years of lies, deception, cover-up, sexual impurity to say the least, and a total unwillingness at the top to deal with it. Basically, in summation, there were many complaints over many years across many churches and their seminaries, and including, sadly, children, and the allegations of the cover-up, the way that they treated the people that were affected by all of this, basically making the accuser the accused, etc., etc. We've heard this story way too many times. It was all there, and it was all widespread. One of the articles that I read called it an apocalypse for the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, over about the last dozen to 15 years, church attendance broadly in the United States has been going down significantly. In the coverage of this article, I saw that one statistic said that even at one of the seminaries, probably the one that I would have gone to, it's Southwestern Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, attendance is down like 25% over just 10 years ago. Church attendances are down. Of course, we've seen this in other denominations, predominantly the Catholic Church, where those stories have been coming out internationally for years now. So in light of this report and in light of this pivotal shift to a new way of consciousness, and I have to say one that I am very pleased to have found on my own after finally realizing that doesn't work for me anymore, and seeing what does work over here and then patterning it time after time after time and then seeing it through astrology where 
the stars and planets in the sky reflect God's hand just so precisely. It's a completely different experience. Well, let me take you back now 42 years from the time this is being recorded. 42 years. (laughs) Oh, my. My first year of college, I got a little, uh, I think it paid, I can't remember if it did, it wasn't much, but a little job as the youth minister, quote unquote, at the First Baptist Church in Bentonville, Arkansas. If that town rings a bell to you, Walmart headquarters, yes. In fact, this church was in the downtown square just across the street from the very first Walmart store, which I understand now is a museum. But that was my beginning. That was my first year was starting to get my feet wet, etc. But, you know, even there, I had this longing and this desire to be in broadcasting. I had chosen it as my minor, and even when I got to Bentonville, I contacted this little radio station, and I was doing some news reporting and some other things for them. So I already was working in broadcasting, and that would continue on through basically the rest of my career. I, whenever I tried to get away from it, I always came back to it. And that was my childhood passion. I remember as a probably six or seven-year-old kid, elementary school teacher gave us this assignment back, you know, this goes back to the 60s or 70s, take take the tube out of the middle of a roll of paper towels and then stick a big ball of aluminum foil on top of that tube from the paper towels. That's your microphone. Man, I carried that microphone around like my blankie for probably months, if not years. And I would, I would literally lay on the couch and act like I was broadcasting. So that was the first love. Fascinated by radio, fascinated by television even back then. But that was disrupted by this dynamic pastor and this church and a call that now I realize is very wired into my DNA to pursue the spiritual path. I just thought that was what I had to work with go to Baptist Seminary. Well, my commitment with the church was for Sundays, basically. I extended it that when I had the availability, I would drive over there for Wednesday night events and then some other things during the week. So I way pushed the boundaries of what they asked for and did it voluntarily. And at that time, I really did enjoy what I was doing. My dad would tell me some years later in father-son discussions that he never saw me happier than when I was in Bentonville. It really was a short window, too. It was probably about six or eight months that I was there. And then the next school year came around. And as I was walking across the campus, I hear, Miller! (laughs) Miller, come here! It was my good friend David Brooker. Rest his soul, he left us way too soon. Oh, I'm going to get choked up even telling this, because David got me out of that environment. It was David Brooker hollering at me, and what he wanted was for me to work with him that semester doing play-by-play on the local radio station for the high school football team. Friday nights, man, Brooker and Miller in the booth. Well, when I went back to tell the pastor of this church, who, by the way, later got kicked out of the ministry because he was mm -hmm, with somebody in the church. This guy was probably in his 50s or even 60 at that time. Well, he gets this long face expression, facial expression. He's like, his jaw just dropped. And I said, what's what's wrong? And he said, well, I really wanted us to do some Friday night events for our youth, even during the away games this football season, and I wanted you to run that for us. Well, he hadn't said a word to me. 
no discussion about scope of responsibility, no discussion about additional compensation, no expanded responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. He just had this in mind, and I guess at some point he was going to say, hey, oh, by the way, could we do this? Well, I said, so can we work both, or is this a, you know, am I going to have to choose? And here again, this is the synchronicities of the universe, because there would have been a way that something could have been worked out. I was part-time. I was a student. But he said, no, we're going to have to make a choice, because he wanted the program. Well, can you imagine my 20-year-old little soul having to deal with that major life intersection decision? I mean, here we go. Either I'm going to choose the church or I'm going to choose to step away from it. I talked to the pastor. I talked to my pastor. I talked to my youth director from Tulsa. I talked to my dad. My dad was my biggest influence. Probably ran it by a few friends back then, too, but dad really had the biggest voice. And my dad was an incredibly wise man. And he said, you know, college is the time for you to try different things. And he made it okay and paved the way for me to explore another side. You've done the church. You can always go back to that. You can always find something else, or you can go to seminary. There will be plenty of opportunities. And he made it okay for me to choose the broadcasting. And that's what I did. So I left the church I did the football games. I ended up being a disc jockey, and then I did the news. I was the news director of a little station. (laughs) I mean, that means you could actually rip the copy off of the old teletype machine about what that was. And then I, let's see, and then my senior year of college, I was actually the news anchor in Fayetteville, Arkansas at 6 and 10 p.m. on Channel 29, a station that is still there today, the ABC affiliate in Northwest Arkansas. I was barely 21 years old. Well, if you fast forward from that to podcast number one, episode number one, several years later in Vail, Colorado, is when that my pastor from Tulsa sat me down at the tennis courts and looked at me and said, pointed his finger right in my face and said, you are the biggest disappointment in my ministry because I didn't go to seminary. And that seared my subconscious and started all the sequence of events that led to this podcast and everything else. But that's the backstory. I downloaded the PDF of this Southern Baptist report, and I searched for that man's name. And fortunately, and I'm very glad I did not find it, because he and my parents were best of friends until their deaths. But as I looked over that report, or looked at the reports of the report, basically, and then I did scan some names in the report, I realized those are the people I would have been spending my professional career with. I would have been in that environment. And being a very unconscious soul back then, I shudder to think of how I might have responded. The conscious awakening of a soul is probably the most beautiful thing in the world. I'd say perhaps after a newborn. (laughs) You just can't beat that, right? But waking up is an incredible thing. And I know that a lot of you might face those turning points in life. And see, this was so synchronistically driven that, you know, I, I was led to the first job. Well, I needed to be there for this decision to be so pivotal. Then to not be contacted by the other pastor, nothing told, so there was nothing in my space, 
Here this guy asks me to do broadcasting. Ah, my dreams have come true. Look, I get to work at the church on Sunday. I get to do the ball games on Friday. I'm going to work at the radio station. Are you kidding? This is heaven. And then for that pastor to make me face a choice, and then to choose what was really in my heart, and then have it all 42 years later come crystal clear. Can you see even by this little story When we transition to the other side and we see the full perspective in our soul, our eternal soul, and we look at various things that are going on in our lives right now that we think are bad or that we think are maybe we made the wrong decision or we wish we hadn't done this or that or that this person hadn't passed away at this time or whatever it is, we're going to look back at that tapestry and we're going to see that it was all absolutely perfect for our path. Now, after this report, we know kind of the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would have said. Let's do some Monday morning armchair quarterbacking. (laughs) How would we have done this differently? And how would we apply lessons learned after 42 years of life unfolding since? Well, the first key that I would say is always, if it's in your heart then it is an expression wanting to come out. I had two. I had the broadcasting heart expression, and I had the preaching or pastoring heart expression. Both were very real. Both were very much there. So how would you choose between those two? Well, this is where intuition also comes in. So number one, is it truly really in your heart? And even if there's more than one thing in your heart, How we could parse out the decision would be a couple of things, and one is to do an intuitive awareness method, to borrow from Fred's book, kind of approach. You go inside to connect and hear from your higher self. Now, did I do that back then? No, I didn't know about it. And this is the other point. Even when you don't know, the universe often has your back. I think of an expression that often circulates in Christian communities, there by the grace of God go I. Today we would say, thank God the universe had my back. (laughs) But yeah, it's the same thing. And here's a point. Isn't it amazing, looking back, that I was withheld from going into the ministry? The pastor in Vail at the tennis courts shook his finger in my face and said, you're a great disappointment. The universe, 42 years later, says, and now you know the rest of the story. Good day. (laughs) And that brings me to the third point, and that is that even in the blindness, we have to trust the process. It may not make sense. We may have doubts. We've done our work. We've gone inside. We have our message. We make our choice. And then we have to trust And we may or may not see the outcome in this reality. We may have to wait. But eventually, if we follow our heart, we know that we are following the right path. There is one other point here that is probably more personal because you don't know how I was or who I was back in those days. But in that culture, it was really quick, and this came out in the report a lot, that it's really quick to call others a sinner to point your finger like the pastor did to me, to throw out the thou shalt nots, etc. The last lesson to me is a reminder from a story in the Bible. So the religious leaders who Jesus always attacked had caught a young lady in adultery. In that culture, it was instant death. 
no trial, no jury, just you were caught. So they literally were outside picking up the stones to throw at her to kill her. Quite a culture, huh? Well, Jesus walked up into that scene, and his presence and his entourage stopped what they were doing. And the story is that when asked about the situation, he said, looking around at them, he said, so any of you who are without this sin, cast the first stone. Well, they all dropped the rocks that they had in their hand, and they walked off. And then he looked down at the young lady, and he said, you are forgiven. Change your ways. Don't do it again. And this is lesson to myself. Be sure you're not holding any stones in your hand. There, by the grace of God, go I. So in light of this report, I am obviously on one side very happy that these things are being exposed. I'm very sad for those who were affected negatively. For those who did the affecting, I hope that they will change their ways find a new way, and turn that darkness into light. And it also helps me want to trust the process even more and more and more, to go inside, to hear that inner voice, to tone down and remove all the obstacles to not hearing that inner voice, then making the decision and trusting in the outcome. And I hope 42 years down the road that this little story out of a chapter of my own life helps encourage you. Thanks so much for listening today. Make wise choices from your heart. And I love you. Enjoy the journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.